Hi there, I'm William Murray. Welcome to the Service Center. Never think that because you don't have more experience than somebody around the table, your perspective doesn't matter. Your perspective as somebody being one month in this industry matters. We need that. We need you to come and shake us up. Hi there. It's so great to welcome you back. This is the Service Center Podcast, a place focused on the awesome people that make up the hospitality and service industry. We are a huge field full of individual stories, fascinating journeys, and pretty cool adventures. So I'm just trying to pull back the curtain on those deeply human stories from real experts in our field, at the same time picking their brains about key issues impacting service and hospitality right now. It's fantastic to be back for season two of the show. There's a wonderful group of guests coming your way to share their tales and industry wisdom. You'll have to keep coming back, but I'm honestly really excited to share them all with you. Like anything, this show is a living thing that evolves over time. So for this season, I've decided to split up our longer episodes that we had in season one into segments in and around the 30-ish minute range. Don't worry, it'll be the same deep exploration and long conversations with the guests on the show that we had back in season one. But for you, this means shorter episodes or chapters, if you will, that you can finish weekly and you get new content arriving more frequently. You can let me know what you think about these changes by connecting with me through any of the social media platforms or email that are listed in the show notes, and I'd love to hear from you. This episode is part two of my talk with Trina Notman. If you haven't listened to part one yet, you can go back and do that. But of course, you can listen to them in any order that you would like. A little bit about Trina. She's the Vice President of Marketing and Communication with both Accent Inns and Hotel Z on the West Coast of Canada. Like many, she came into the hospitality space tangentially, starting first as a journalist and professional media communicator. From there, she pivoted into the marketing field as a senior manager and part of the creative team with Inventa. She ran campaigns for some huge firms that include Coca-Cola, Nestle, and Kellogg. Eleven years ago, she moved over to Tourism Victoria rising up to the position of chief marketing officer. And it was there that she was introduced to Mandy Farmer. Mandy saw Trina's outstanding skills and would eventually poach Trina over to the Hotel Z team of Rebels in 2017. This episode unpacks Trina's work with Hotel Z and Accent Inns. We talk about the art of differentiating brand voices and the power of getting people to live values over procedures. We also invest a bunch of time exploring misogyny in our industry, the importance of allyship, and how to find your brave voice to affect change. Let's jump right back into the conversation with Trina. As always, my name is William Murray, and welcome to the Service Center. In one of my early episodes, I talked to to, uh, Scott Stratton. Early on, Scott always said the same thing. He said, we do business with people we know, we like, and we trust. And clearly that's what Mandy was doing with you. She knew you, she liked you, and she trusted you to bring you into the family business. So what was it like to pivot from a, an organization like Tourism Victoria and Destination Marketing to something that was a tad more eccentric, rebellious, think outside the box? It was... Fantastic. (laughs) It was really nice, but it was really interesting because we had a lot of work to do, right? Like, I mean, he was still building out 
the executive team of her dreams. So I was I was like the early the early hire onto that onto that team. What I really enjoy about Mandy is, I mean, exactly all of that rebellious stuff, all of that, you know, she wants she wants to do different crazy things, you know, like she has the only bike through lobby um, when she built her latest hotel. Like and I I got to sit in those design meetings and see designers come back with designs that show the bike path going around the lobby and not through the lobby like she asked for. And I saw her stick to her guns on those things. It's really cool to watch her lead when um, when nobody thinks that she should be doing what she wants to do. <laughs> and then, you know, I love watching her lead through that. So it was really interesting because I was going into a place that didn't have a lot. I had to, I had to build the marketing department and that was a lot of fun. Now, she said that her departments named themselves. Yeah. What What's your name? Yeah, we don't really have... Okay, wait a sec. So I also look after sales. Yes. And our sales team is the wolf pack because yes. they are fierce and they and they work together. Um, but our, our mighty marketing team is, no, is known as nothing other than our mighty marketing team. We don't actually have a super fun name. I think the wolf pack is a pretty fun name. It is a fun name. They 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 earned that name. They earned that name in the in the pandemic. They're fierce. I can only imagine getting <laughs> getting a, an invite saying, "Who are you meeting with today?" I'm meeting with the Wolf Pack. Yeah. Rut row. Okay. Rut <laughs> row. <laughs> I better pay attention. <laughs> a little bit of a, a marketing communication question because I have had my hand in teaching marketing and communication and interaction and brands before. You are currently dealing with. One company that is heavily influenced, top down, and has an aggressively human focused perspective. But the brands are slightly different. You know, Accent Inns is, of the two, slightly more conservative, if I can say that, because the, neither one I would call conservative. But they said goodbye to stuffy and state hotels. It, they shoot for personality and they boast the three G's, right? Great service, great individuals, and great everything. And from there, you go to Hotel Z, which is the self-proclaimed ridiculously fun hotel that rebels against everything ordinary. Hmm. Your job, I would assume, is to manage two different brands and two different stories and, and communication. So how do you actually craft, and now we're getting into the gig here, how do you actually craft distinct voices for each brand? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question um, because at Accent Inns, we're a hotel with heart. We craft that voice like dad jokes. So that voice is, we use a lot of puns. We use a lot of dad jokes. We use a lot of humor. We don't take ourselves too seriously. You know, we have a rubber duck in every room. It's more that vibe. So I think about, you know, I think about we have a lot of blue collar workers staying with us. We have a lot of younger families, not young, young families, but I want to say sort of middle families, like with the kids, you know, you know, nine or 10, that sort. Um, we're value, very value different. We have a lot of sports teams of, of, of all, you know, the younger sports teams come stay with us. So we are very much that hotel with heart, bring the humor. And that's we're a very safe place to stay. The line between brands uh, gets drawn there. And you said, so Accent has is the brand with heart. It's the dad jokes. Yeah. So would Hotel Z be the brand with soul? It's the brand that's sort of more of the, uh, looks ridiculously good on your Instagram. And it is more, um, even though we do get a lot of older demo in it, 
they're attracted to that rebelliousness. They're attracted to the bold, bright colors and all of that stuff that we do. That is, that is so different. They're about people that like, for example, our hotels at in Tofino, every other hotel in Tofino is very, very similar. You know, it's very, very similar mm-hmm. in terms of their product, but ours is completely outrageous. And that draws in a lot of people. So when we talk on Hotel Z, we talk in a lot of emojis, you know, whereas it would be maybe dag puns over here. It's more emojis and reels and video content and stuff like that on the Hotel Z side. In September 2018, Laura Pratt wrote for Cost Check Media. Uh, she wrote an article called Hotel Sales and Marketing Efforts Continue to Be a Moving Target. And she said that modern hotel customers want companies to be present and responsive specifically that they want intimate relationships with hoteliers. And then you said in that piece that when people see that you're posting things that demonstrate you care about them, that's meaningful. I'm going to ask for a little bit of the secret sauce, or at least insight on how the secret sauce is made. As hoteliers and service providers, how do we create meaningful connections with our guests? And, you know, and this is coming from the the Mandy Farmer School of Thought as well. It starts with your meaningful connections with your employees, right? Like we are, we're like at Accent Inns, our purpose as a company is to radically enrich the lives of our people. It's not even about our guests. It's about radically enriching the lives of our people. And I think that that's really where it starts. And this is this is a phrase that comes from my director of marketing. When you love hard, they love hard. So we're seeing that a lot. So they love hard. So when they're loved hard, they love hard with each other. They love hard with guests. And uh, and it's it's really magical the way that that sorts out. And that that really is is our secret sauce. So when they feel that like when that sort of love is tangible, because Mandy, you know, we believe in leading with love in at Accent Inns and Hotel Z. And when guests walk into that environment and that love is tangible, they feel innately at home with us and they're brought in. Mandy and I talked about the business strategy of leading with love, which is fantastic. From an executional point of view, and I think I just might have made up that word, but I love it, so I'm going to keep it. When we execute leading with love, what does that look like on a day-to-day or an example basis? It looks like real conversations that aren't scripted. It looks like real, you know, I, like I'm, I'm just going to social media and I'm thinking about, you know, we have, we, we have to, we break our social media up among a, a couple of people because it's so important to have those interactions. And like, if you read our, like our comments on social media and I'm just my hats off to my team, they are so clever and funny. You know, you see, you'll, you'll read 68 comments on a post, like responses to, to comments on the post. And each one is hilarious and unique and very, very for that individual. And I think that that's really special, right? That starts to build the relationship between the brand and the person when they're commenting on something and then you have a fun joke back and forth. And now all of a sudden you've got the the spark of a relationship. And, th- and that's one brand point. And then make that happen over multiple brand points and you have something really special. Right. There's an overriding philosophy of active engagement versus passive engagement with your guests. Yes. That's tough to teach, though. You have to cultivate that as a culture. Yes, it is tough to teach. Uh, and it's um, and it's something that needs to be rolled out across the organization. You know, like if we're doing it really great over here on social, we need to do it really great on the phones at reservations. We need to do it really great at the front desk and so on and so on. Immediately, though, I'm thinking that a lot of organizations risk misspeaking. And when we're actively engaged in asking people to speak, not just by brand, but with personality and engage with humans, there's the opportunity to make mistakes. 
Yes. So how do you deal with mistakes? It really goes to um, our values, right? So we have four values as a company and, uh, and that's be real, make everything better, have fun. You know, I was going to forget one. Anyways, we've got four amazing values. Trust me. <laughs> um, but when you really train people on what those values are and to live those values every day, that becomes their decision filter. So if you're doing everything with all of our, like if you're leading with love, you're living by our four values and you've made a judgment call, then we're going to support you in that. If it, it turns out to be a mistake, well, we'll coach you and we'll, we'll go through that. But as long as you have the foundation of our values and our purpose and why we do what we do, and you feel like you're acting with those in your heart, then then you can move forward with that. And I would assume that if you're looking for authentic interaction, then anytime that something maybe either falls flat, I wasn't going to say fall outside of your values because that's your decision framework, but maybe doesn't work. But there's also an opportunity for authentic recovery. Yes, absolutely. We have an email that's called uh, brutally honest at accentins.com, um, where we really encourage our, our customers to be brutally honest with us and give us their feedback. And I think how you recover a customer is just as important is is can build a, a stronger relationship than than not having recovered the customer. You know what I mean? Like just going through that. It doesn't matter what mistake you make. It's It's how you make it better and how you respond to it. And often, often we've turned, turned around our, our worst, you know, our, our worst um, detractors into our biggest promoters. The opportunity to, to spin a down peak into an up peak is fantastic. That service recovery opportunity, when it shows itself, Uh uh, can be extremely powerful. And I remember many instances when I worked in the industry and, and even in the teaching field where I've had students that go through and, and it becomes a Cinderella story, right? They, they went down and then up again, and now they're, they're soaring to great new heights. Yeah. So using that theme of making a mistake, because I can't think how to pivot well into this, but let's talk about the BC Tourism and Hospitality Conference. Let's jump forward into that for a minute. In March, March 9th of this year, 2022, you're at the BC Tourism and Hospitality Conference along with hundreds of industry executives and it's International Women's Day. Why don't you tell me what happened? It was, uh, I think it was the day after International Women's Day and uh, the man at the podium, who's the chair of our industry association, asked all the women to stand. And International Women's Day, by the way, is about equality and it started as a protest. So getting us to stand is already setting us on uneven ground. Um, like I had one woman explain, um, put it, put it to me later that it felt like all the women were being asked to curtsy. So we were all asked to stand. Um, he said some words about admiring women in the industry and everybody clapped. And as we sat down and as the applause died down, he said, okay, now go clean rooms and do dishes. And he had a laugh at our expense. So he laughed at the end of that statement. Yes. Because to him, it was just a joke. It was just a joke. But it wasn't just a joke. Well, I mean, there's a whole litany of just jokes that actually very much undermine women in professional settings. And this is yet another example of that. I can attest that although you did not hear me when I heard about this, uh, my neighbors did. And my windows were not open. Oh, really? I, I believe they heard me say, he said, what? 
Oh my God. Someone is going to get it. Mm. But he wasn't going to get it. It was being tolerated. That's right. It's the uncomfortableness of the room, that awkwardness around the dinner table that yeah. Uncle John just made a bad joke and passed the mashed potatoes. Mm. Not in smile, right? But you made a post. And here in my notes, I have it in capital letters. It's simply called The Post. And you said, I'm at the BC Tourism and Hospitality Conference and the man at the podium told all the businesswomen in the room to stand for International Women's Day. And, and you recount in just a couple of paragraphs what was said. And you said his comments are harmful to all women, which I'd like to come back to in a second. And you just posed two simple questions. You said, why is Thai BC and the BC Hotel Association not doing anything about this? And you asked the organization uh, or organizer of sponsors, are you okay with this? You wrote that post in the room. Yes. You got 445 reactions, 276 comments, and 29 shares. It went a little crazy. Yeah. So what was the aftermath of hitting post for you? The aftermath of hitting post was what you don't see in those post numbers is all the direct messages I got. So I got countless direct messages. Like it would be hard for me to even ballpark how many, um, probably less than a hundred, but not much less than a hundred. Um, I got a lot of direct messages. Some of those direct messages had other examples of this man's past behavior. So uh, I knew that it was more than just one bad joke. So I felt a duty to do more. And that became very emotionally exhausting. But uh, still, I thought it was important. This question just popped into my mind, and, and I might be off base. How many of those direct messages asked if you were okay? Oh, that's a really great question. And you know what? Um, I think I was fine until I wasn't because I was just hearing so many stories um, because I had so many direct messages there, there's one thing about the man's behavior and that's, and I, and I always call the, the man because it's not about the person. It's about the issue that we have in the, in the industry. And it's not just our industry. Um, but I heard so many stories of different sexism that women have faced different, you know, like all the way up to sexual assault in the workplace and things like that. That was very emotionally draining. And I did have some people ask me if I was okay. In fact, I'm going to lunch with one of them that runs that she works for GoToHR, which is our BC um, HR, our industry HR body. Um, and uh, she was she was very kind. So I did have some people actually do that. I asked that question because, and this is something that you have commented on, and I want to give a shout out to to Susan Barry over at Top Floor Podcast because she's got a very cool show. Yeah. Um, and when you were on her show back in May, you talked about the need to be brave. That when we do something brave, when we say something, we can feel alone. But after you say something brave, all of a sudden, those around you that wanted to say something brave emerge and find an ally. Yeah. So I wanted to know about how many people reached out and were checking to make sure if you were okay, more as a symbol of them checking into on your bravery, because doing something brave is also doing something incredibly scary mm. and unpopular yes and unpopular right like yeah, yeah unpopular um because i really pushed for accountability on this to our industry associations um that would really have liked me just to zip it and go away 
So, you know, it was it was kind of trudging through that uh, the unpopularity and trudging through, you know, like when you do get some negative feedback and some negative comments, those are a thousand times louder than your positive comments. And that can be really hard. So sometimes when you get a negative comment, you think, oh, okay, everybody feels this way. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to go through that. If somebody has nailed how to go through that, I would love to hear from them, but, uh, but it's, it's hard to take. It's really hard to take. When I saw the post and, and I haven't gone back and looked at my own comments. So I'm paraphrasing and hoping I had this intent was I was very proud that somebody like you stood up and said something. And I was also tentative as I am saying this right now, and choosing my words very, very carefully, because I think it's important to choose your words carefully, how to be an ally without taking over the conversation. Right. You know, and I've had, I have a lot of men um, ask similar things. And uh, when a man, cause I, cause, and you know, I've done a lot of posts since then. And when a man wades in on something like that, it means a lot. So I feel, and because it doesn't happen often, and I think it takes a lot of bravery for a man to wade in on that because they are so worried about, oh, I'm recognizing my privilege and I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, you know, that's, I'm assuming that those are the things that go through your mind. It becomes the hashtag of, oh, hashtag not all men. But every time I think that, because it does pop up in my head, it's like, that's not me. No, that is. Because as a male, middle-aged male in a leadership position, I am a symbol of something. And when somebody else does that, it's guilt by association. Yes. And I get angered that somebody has tarnished the work of equality. Yes. And some of that work of equality is to shut up and listen. Yeah. But honestly, though, your, your words of support go a very, very long way. And, uh, and I think, and I think if you, if, if, if somebody, if, if a man in power chooses to be silent, um, I think they're choosing to be silent because it's easier. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's actually part of the problem because most of that power lies with you. I found that out in a number of ways. We were having some trouble during the pandemic here in Guelph and, and many cities were, and I'm sure on the West coast, much more than we were here, but the, uh, hate towards the Asian community around a, a disease. And I thought, oh, that happened somewhere else, but not here. And then I had some of my Asian students, Canadian Asian students, as well as international, were afraid to come out of their apartment because of the comments that they were receiving when they went to Walmart or at the grocery store. And they would say it to me, and then I would say it to the class. But I wouldn't, I would, I would just say, this is what I'm hearing and I find it deplorable. Yes. And then I would get thanked for that. But it was sharing their voices. It's kind of a rambling on how to be an ally for men. Yes. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to slip to slip in and 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 give and show your support. Right. I want to get your insight on something as from a marketing and communications professional. And I'm going to use this event to to pivot away for a second. And, and that is when I read, and we'll call, call it this man, because anybody who wants to look and find out who it was, it, it's easily available. But uh, this particular person put out an apology. And it read, I'm very sorry and deeply regret the insensitive and inappropriate comments that I made at the start of the conference. Not only did my words cause dis distress for several women in the audience, but also offended many other delegates. 
Some dudes are pissed off too. (laughs) (laughs) And I call that the non-apology apology. I'm not sure if I would classify it 100% in gaslighting, but it it was, it sucks as an apology. Oh, I'm sorry if the words that I use happen to offend a couple of you. Not, I'm sorry I said stupid things. So not to harp on that, because I'll harp on it and just say it's a stupid apology. And I'll put that on a billboard. But it's it's a boilerplate non-apology apology. But let's assume that people have and continue to say and do stupid things. We're going to make mistakes. And this person did something stupid um, and they followed with a terrible, inadequate and just bad apology. When people or brands stick foot into mouth and then double down and stick other foot into mouth. Yeah. How do they apologize? The most important thing, and this is, and that, by the way, was his third apology after Mm -hmm. two worse apologies. Um, But that was the one that they actually put in print. Um, Again, who is helping these people? Who is helping this man? Somebody help this man. (laughs) But but I think the most important thing to do, especially in this case, because it was so, he gave me, he gave us the the gift of blatancy because it was so blatant. If you can say something that flippant, you know, that, that off the cuff, that is that is so bad, then you clearly have a lot of work to do, right? So I think to answer your question, a real apology is the commitment to do the work. And I'm seeing that it came like three months late, but you know, Taya BC, for example, who really wanted, who really didn't respond great from the outset on this. Um, and I've and I've spoken to their to their CEO from the day one that this happened to now, you know, since then they've done the work, they've started a DEI committee, they've got, you know, they've, they've done the work to, to learn and get better as an industry. Because when I first spoke to them, they said, well, women actually, actually, we're, we we're really good as an industry for women. And I'm like, oh, you don't understand what's happening out there because you don't, you just don't understand, you know, oh my see God. You grabbing your head. <laughs> But I mean, I, I mean, like hospitality is actually one of the worst for women. Yes. So for the leader of our association to say that it was for, you know, from the outset, I was like, OK, you, you need to you need to do a lot of work. And they have done a lot of work, you know, and, and I think that any apology has to come with a commitment to do the work. Yes. The DEI initiative is very important. But as an individual, this person had a very you know, three times, three strikes, three bad apologies. Is there a way in that moment, in that day, in that conference that somebody can stand up and say, my bad, I messed up. What language in today's world works? I would say, I think the best thing that that man could have done is say, I know I've made a huge mistake or I know that what I said was incredibly stupid. I'm going to go away. Like he should have left the conference that day. It was very painful for him to be still up at that podium. He was eventually pulled from the podium. Thank goodness. But he, I mean, not right away. Um, right away. He was, he was still on that podium, but I think, I think you, it would be incredibly distracting to have him on that. Podium. It was incredibly distracting to have him on that podium. Absolutely. And I, and I went to the, to the CEOs being like, you have to remove him. Cause like he was still speaking for that day. And it was, you know, it's, it's an insult every time he went up there. But um, but yeah, I think I think the the right language would have been I'm so sorry, 
and leave and then take some time to really unpack and really understand because it, that day he did not understand what was wrong, right? He had an apology to me privately later that night that was also poor. Clearly he didn't understand. So I think the best thing you could have done is I'm sorry, I'm leaving. I, I know I shouldn't be here. And then gone and done the work of really unpacking and then coming back with the right words when he was ready for them, you know, because anything he said that day, like, as you can see, even with this apology, like he wasn't ready to speak. He wasn't ready to understand. He wasn't ready to listen. And I'd like to say that we're doing better, but it's almost like we're doing better. And I'm going to call it out as, as, as a middle-aged white male, it's almost like we've packaged it really well, but the attitudes are still slipping through the cracks and they're still there somewhere systemically for some people. And so they come out in these off the cuff comments that aren't scripted. They come out in attitudes in the boardroom. They come out yeah. in gaslighting. They come out in minimizing in backhanded compliments. Mm -hmm. And it, it's very aggravating. And also, like, there's also the unconscious biases that we all that we all have, right? Absolutely. And it's one thing about how people are treated and what people say to each other, but there's also opportunities, right? If you had asked every woman, if you had asked every person in that room who made uh, like over six figures to stand, you know, what would the makeup of that look like? You know, it would be a lot of it would be a lot of white men. It would, you know, what I mean? Like, so it just like it, it's very interesting because um, the 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 big problem is that inequity. It's not, it's not about what you say. It's about the underlying inequity. Intent matters. Intent matters. Yes. And, and I truly believe that. It's one of my principles is what you intend to do will come through. If you do it well, or if you do it, execute slightly poorly, the intent of what you were trying to execute yeah. generally will smooth over any mistakes. And if you have poor intent, great execution mm -hmm. can't cover that up. Yep. So I want to go back to positivity because you have been extremely generous with your time here, but I want to give you an opportunity to leave with positivity as well. I guess, thank you for what you said. I need to put a pin in this. Thank you for what you said. And thank you for continuing to say it. And I wish you nothing but success as you write about it and work on the message. And I know that there is something coming out. You are planning to write a book. Yes, working on it. And we have a working title. Can we share that? Yes, you can. It's just one bad joke. And it's a roadmap to responding to sexism. I'm just going to put a plug in. Every college and university better put that on their reading list because everybody should be reading this idea. Thank you. You are very, very welcome. As we leave with positivity, though, for the younger industry members who are coming up, how do they maintain their positivity and don't get discouraged to think conventionally? Oh, I think that the younger people coming up, I think we're, uh, and I, I, I hope that we're in a good place because I think that with the staffing shortages and things like that, I think employers are really starting to wake up that it matters how you treat people, that it matters. So for those younger people coming up, Use their voice at the table. Never think that because you don't have more experience than somebody around the table, your perspective doesn't matter. Your perspective as somebody being one month in this industry matters because we need that. We need we need you to come and shake us up. 110%. I think we all need a good shake up. <laughs> um, and now is the time to do that. So thank you so much, Trina. It was a pleasure talking with you. 
and I hope you have a super positive day. <laughs> I sure will. You too, William. Well, that wraps up our time with Trina Notman, Vice President of Marketing and Communications with both Accent Inns and Hotels Ed. She certainly brought her high energy and met that promise that no coffee was required. Her bravery standing up to sexism in our industry is outstanding and something that should be celebrated a lot more. I know I, for one, will be watching to pre-order her book, Just One Bad Joke, as soon as it hits the bookstore shelves. And I hope it's required reading for all young leaders in our field. If you enjoyed your time in the service center and want to get informed about our future episodes, be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you download your podcast. It's also super helpful to the show if you could leave a review, maybe share your favorite part of an episode there or drop me a message directly because I love hearing from you. The service center podcast is hosted and produced by me, William Murray, and our cover art is created by Jack Designs. Thanks for choosing to spend your time here. And I invite you back for more guests, stories, and service insight on the next episode of The Service Center. Bye for now.